Despite rising case numbers and in some cases even rising hospitalizations, some jurisdictions are lifting COVID-19 restrictions. Denmark, the UK and Ireland are among some of the countries rolling back public health measures and some officials in Canada are hinting we could be approaching that stage here. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Tristan Hopper joins me to discuss why the mood is changing, where Canada would need to get to in terms of cases to follow those other countries, and how officials prepare people for the switch. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Tristan, we're just past the two-year anniversary of the first COVID-19 case in Canada. And and as we go into the third year of this pandemic, there seems to be a bit of a shifting of mood in countries like Canada and elsewhere. And that's around restrictions. Early on in the pandemic and even through various waves of the pandemic, there have been a feeling that you know, restrictions are necessary to keep cases down, to prevent vulnerable people like seniors from getting sick and potentially dying. And as we reckon with Omicron, you're seeing less of that. In fact, you're starting to see the mood shift a little bit in some places towards, you know, maybe it's time to start pulling back on these restrictions. Why are we at that point? You mentioned it. It is uh, Omicron. So uh, it's essentially, yeah, Omicron comes in and then everybody is like, oh, here's another COVID wave and, you know, locks down, braces themselves. Oh, it's going to be like it was before. And then it is not great. Everybody got Omicron, but uh, basically you see the cases are absolutely through the roof. I got Omicron. I'm sure you got Omicron. Someone in your immediate social circle got Omicron. So you have a disease that everyone got all at once, this super infectious variant of COVID-19. And yet hospitalizations are higher just by virtue of the fact that everybody is getting it. But they're just a fraction of what they were in earlier waves. So you're basically seeing public health officials looking at it and saying, well, this is infectious. But this isn't nearly as destructive as earlier waves of COVID-19. And at the end of it, everybody has gotten it. So there's this uh, giant pile of natural immunity. It's been really dramatic in Europe. So there's been uh, Ireland, Spain. These are all countries. There have been countries that have been kind of blasé about restrictions and lockdowns the whole time. Mm -hmm. But what's notable is these are all countries that really locked down. They did all the pain in the ass stuff we did curfews, you know, ban on indoor dining up to just a few weeks ago. I think Ireland was, you know, closing bars at 8 p.m. or something. And then suddenly Omicron hits and they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine now. Okay, um, we're completely lifting all restrictions uh, effective tomorrow. So every day yield some new European country that has done that. And then the keyword here is endemic. So the end game for COVID-19 Basically, no epidemiologist thinks you can get rid of COVID-19, so we can't treat this like smallpox or polio, where you just vaccinate enough people and then it eventually just goes away forever because it's just too infectious. So even if you are vaccinated, I'm double vaccinated, I got a micron anyway, so it's too infectious, you can't get rid of it. The keyword is endemic, and that refers to a disease that's always present in the population but never really goes away, but we can sort of manage and contain it without extraordinary measures. So flu being the best example. And I keep bringing up tuberculosis. It's a very different story, but tuberculosis used to be Canada's number one killer. If you're a hundred years old, you were born at a time when TB was the number, you know, I think it was even 
you know, above cancer, above heart disease, everything. T- TB killed everyone. Mm-hmm. We still have tuberculosis present in Canada, but we effectively contain it with contact tracing and treatment. Now, how do we get from a pandemic to an endemic with COVID-19? Is it just the will of policymakers to say, we're here? Well, yeah, it helps. uh, Everybody being vaccinated helps. And, you know, for all our unvaccinated talk, we are one of the most vaccinated countries on Earth. Our uptake has been quite high. So when uh, Denmark, uh, Denmark was the latest country to say, oh, screw it, it's over, it's endemic. Uh, And then they credited their really high rates of vaccination. Which does help. Yeah. If, if more people are vaccinated, you get a COVID wave like a micron, you're going to get less people winding up dead or winding up in the hospital. So I think that was openly acknowledged in Canada's last COVID wave. Death rates have been just way down. The only thing we were worried about is our health system becoming overwhelmed and our health system totally sucks. So that's particularly easy to do in Canada. We have one of the lowest rates of ICU beds and intensive care units, et cetera, et cetera, than almost anyone else in the G7 and the OECD. So at a certain point, policymakers sort of look around and say, well, the hospitals are doing fine. People are generally doing fine. Nobody's really dying of this. So yeah, we're going to end it. So one of the things is you have to change thinking. So there is going to be this you know, stubborn group of people. We keep talking about the one stubborn group of people who won't get vaccinated. There's also another stubborn group of people who are just absolutely disproportionately freaked out of COVID. Like one case hits in the city and they're you're refusing to go outside. We all know this person. I know someone who is like still leery about going to Canadian Tire after three shots of the vaccine. That makes absolutely no scientific sense. It's an anxiety at this point. So mm-hmm. what you're hearing is public health officials like saying there needs to be a change. COVID always has to be here. There's always going to be someone in your community, in the country who has a case of COVID-19, but you have to treat it like the flu and you can't let that define your life. So I think that's one of the big public health challenges going forward. And we're hearing that here in BC. Bonnie Henry was one of the first public health officials to use all these terms like endemic disease, treating it like the flu, learn to live with COVID. And she's saying like, I know we've spent two years telling you to keep a close eye on case rates. And if you get COVID, you've got to get tested and you've got to isolate. And she, I mean, the, the new rules brought into BC were essentially... If you get COVID-like symptoms, uh, stay home until you feel better and then go outside. No need to get tested. So that's effectively exactly like the flu. A lot of people are getting the bends with that. It was totally fine with me. I, I just stayed home with the migraine as soon as I felt better. I was interacting with the elderly and other such people. But uh, yeah, I do think there is this pushback of people saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to feel safe until there's no COVID anywhere ever, which is impossible. We've heard Bonnie Henry talk about it in BC. I know Dr. Dina Hinshaw has talked about it somewhat, not in terms of getting to an endemic, because I think Alberta was kind of burned by that in the summer when we started talking about an endemic, potentially a little early. But there has been talk around, you know, if you feel unwell, stay home, and then you can go out after five days if your symptoms go away just wear a mask for the extra five days. Like there's been some loosening of the idea around what isolation requirements there are for people who are vaccinated, but where else in Canada are we starting to see the tide turn a little bit towards this idea of we're just going to have to live with it? Ontario. uh, So their top doctor there, Kieran Moore, he was using those. And I I don't think they were saying like, like BC, they're saying it's endemic, like starting now and we're going to start dialing back things. So I think Ontario is just sort of, gearing people up for the moment when it is they're openly saying oh the end game of this is we're no longer covid zero is not realistic 
eventually we are going to just dial down. So they may still have pain in the ass restrictions for months on end. So that sounds like something Ontario would do. <laughs> they always have a, a stricter version of whatever we have here in, in Western Canada. But they are starting to openly say, oh, at a certain point, there's still just going to be COVID. But we're going to decide it's an acceptable level of COVID to just reopen civil society and not worry about it anymore. So you're hearing that from Kieran Moore. Uh, you're hearing that from the Toronto Medical Officer of Health. So, yeah, those three sort of terms it's just the flu. It's endemic. And uh, we have to learn to live with it, which is dramatic because like six months ago, saying that you were seen as some sort of, you know, insane anti-science, you know, COVID denying maniac. The facts ha on the ground haven't changed all that much. I mean, serious epidemiologists were saying this six months ago, just the circumstances were a bit more different. But uh, yeah, this mainstream acknowledgement of COVID's not going away. At a certain point, you just have to get back to real life. Sorry. Right now, as you mentioned, like Omicron is everywhere. You got it. Lots of people in the community have gotten it. I know some people who got it, but we're not seeing the same level of ICU admissions. In Alberta, we're seeing hospitalizations still going up and up and up. Record numbers of people in hospital with COVID, but they're not going to the ICU. Is that the decoupling that experts are looking for with COVID-19 in general? The idea that severe illness isn't as prevalent and so we can just manage it? Or are there still concerns about the number of hospital beds that may be required, even if people aren't getting as sick or dying? Oh, yeah. I think the whole, all of these lockdowns and Canada, Ontario and Quebec, where Quebec still is one of the most locked down places in the entire world. The entire reason we're doing it is because the health system is overwhelmed. It's always overwhelmed. When Quebec was sort of locking down, they're pointing out like there were bad flu waves 10 years ago where it was overwhelmed to the same extent. So mm -hmm. this last time, it wasn't so much that people were going to die. It's that there was going to be enough hospitalizations that there wasn't going to be enough places to put them. I don't want to pick on the uh, unvaccinated here, but uh, I mean, the stats show that a disproportionate amount of people winding up in hospital were unvaccinated. So you can at a certain point, you can say. This is shifted from a pandemic in which the government has responsibilities to keep the population safe to one in which you can just sort of individually decide what you're going to do. If you want to decide not to be vaccinated, you are a much higher risk of ending up in the hospital. But, you know, the vast majority, 90 plus percent of people can guess, just get your two shots, your third shot if you want it. If you get a micron, you're probably going to feel somewhat bad and not be able to smell for two or three weeks afterwards. So the severity has gone down. So for like for myself, a double vaccinated 34 year old, this has basically been as risky as the flu for several months now. And each week brings more and more people for whom this disease is just not an extraordinary risk to their lives. We'll be right back. You mentioned earlier there's this kind of psychology around it, this anxiety around the idea of loosening restrictions. And a lot of the people who are worried about loosening restrictions are the people who, like you and me, are double vaccinated or have a booster shot. Do experts have a sense of how we get over that anxiety? Is there a way to convince people who they've been telling for two years plus to be careful to lower their guard? Yeah, I've got a doctor friend who's a source on one of these things. So he's been hammering me on this for like a year. He was saying there has been research coming up from psychologists, you know, early on in the pandemic saying, you know, it makes sense now to be scared of COVID, but this is going to create a bunch of COVID anxiety that pretty soon is not going to make any sense. And it's going to be stuck there and it's going to start driving public policy. We're going to start doing things that don't make any sense because everybody's just freaked out about it. So 
his solution is just to sort of address the anxiety. So just say, you know, there, there's no basis to this. Here are your risk factors. The way you would address anything that's that's sort of irrational, you know, there are no bugs under your skin. You know, here is the actual anxiety you're feeling. So, and ironically, he keeps sending me this one study. The people who are most freaked out about it are often the people at least risk. There was an early study looking, uh, sort of looking at a profile of the COVID anxious. And it was like, you know, 20 something people who work in media so they can work from home, who are highly vaccinated, who live in urban environments, uh, people that throughout the pandemic have not really been at high risk. And then I'm thinking of my 100-year-old grandma. Uh, she does not care. Uh, <laughs> even when she should have been caring, she wasn't caring. Her whole home is just, yeah, whatever. I'm going to, I don't have to wear a mask. Uh, I'm going to spit on people, you know, whatever. Possibly because at that age, everything's a risk. You know, a patch of ice or, you know, a, a crow could kill her, really, mm -hmm. if it wanted to. So, you know, that puts things in perspective. I noticed early this week, there was a poll out from Angus Reid that suggested now we're at a point where a majority of people feel that restrictions should be lifted. Do you get the sense that that's going to continue to increase as we go forward? Yeah. So you had countries, the most recent one, Denmark, in mid-December was putting in crazy ridiculous amounts of uh, restrictions. Basically, Christmas is canceled. You can't go outside, blah, 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 blah. And then that shifts in less than a month to, oh, it's over. Uh, in Ireland, I think, yeah, Ireland also locking down. It had some of the highest rates of COVID cases in all of Europe, if not the world, for a few days just before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So they were freaking out, locking down. And then you actually have the Irish prime minister. There's an Irish word for that. I can't pronounce Tyosich or something. But anyway, he was putting out an actual address saying COVID is over. It's time for us to sing and to love and to laugh again. So there's no reason to think Canada won't do the same. Everybody just sort of wakes up and says, oh, it's not a big deal anymore. Okay, well, screw this. I'm going to go bowling. I do want to touch on it, especially because the headline for your piece at nationalpost.com, you know, it says health officials are hinting at ending COVID restrictions. And then in parentheses, it says, and not because of the truckers. As we're recording this, there's still a contingent of truckers blockading the Coots border crossing in southern Alberta. There's still a contingent of this so-called freedom convoy in Ottawa, causing all sorts of distress for people who live nearby with their vuvuzelas and honking horns and garbage and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. My first question on that, is there a chance that movements like this trucker convoy full of people who are against mandates, against the vaccine, a whole host of kind of bizarre messaging around pandemic restrictions. Could you see officials hold off on loosening restrictions because they don't want to be seen as capitulating to what to most Canadians is an unpopular group? Oh, yeah, yeah. I never thought about that. So I have heard from you know, sort of the suit wearers in the conservative party. I've heard that from some of those ranks where they're like, oh, great. You know, we were pushing for an end to vaccines because there was a mainstream push in the conservative party to get rid of cross-border restrictions. And now they're like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Now everybody associates our movement with a bunch of people standing on the tomb of the unknown soldier, like, you know, chucking beer cans at reporters. So, yeah, it's, woo, great. Good for our PR strategy to actually lift mandates. So potentially, but I think the truckers sort of tapped into something. So I was at a Victoria farmer's market on Saturday. So this is just like, you know, core center of, you know, just NDP voting, mm -hmm. super liberal white people drinking matcha. And I overheard people saying they kind of supported the truckers. So I think the reason the trucker thing was so big and so sudden 
was I think people weren't really looking at their actual manifesto, which was to overthrow Canadian government. There was a whole bunch of nutty things they actually wanted to do. I think people, the, the reason they had so much, an outpouring of support is because they tapped into this just massive feeling among millions of Canadians, left, right, and center, that some of these COVID restrictions don't make any sense and it's a past due time for the country to lift them. So like here in BC, I go to a restaurant with my dad last night and you know you need a mask to get in. I didn't have a mask, so I just put on a cloth mask. We know from the science that basically does nothing if not make it worse. And then I take the mask off as soon as I sit down. But I got to put the cloth mask back on if I'm going to go pee. And you're like, this is ridiculous. This is just theater. It doesn't actually make any difference. So you have enough of those ridiculous COVID restrictions that are just sort of inertially still in place. And uh, yeah, people feel clownish and uh, they get frustrated at why they're in place. Yeah, I did find it interesting, though. There was the poll this week that said, you know, some like 54, 56% of people want to see restrictions lifted. But you go back even a week ago and the numbers were softer. Yeah. How quickly do you suppose we're going to see the tide change on this where, you know, there might be a groundswell of people who say enough is enough. Let's drop these restrictions. I think it'll be quite sudden. So if if I was going to declare any victory for the truckers and, you know, and all their material demands, it's just been an abject ignominious failure. <laughs> the only possible upside to it is the fact that for the first time in two years, we had images on TV of people gathered together, not worried about masks, having a good time together and singing. And I'm sure someone must have looked at that and was like, oh, I remember that. I remember fireworks. I remember public gatherings. I remember seeing the lower half of the face of a service worker so I could recognize them as a human being. So, yeah, uh, I think a lot of people are going to sort of wake up to, oh, I, I remember the before times. Those were nice. So we'll go back to it. And uh, yeah, again, we're going to have that, you know, super stubborn minority of people who always kind of were shut-ins and were very comfortable when the rest of society also had to be shut-ins with them who are possibly going to resist that. But yeah, I think the vast majority of people, like here in BC, BC was super pro lockdown at the beginning of the pandemic. And I'm seeing a lot of COVID non-compliance lately. So, you know, masks suggested, nah, we don't need the mask. That restaurant I went to, I didn't have my Vax passport on me. I forgot it or something. The server just accidentally forgot to check. <laughs> um, so I think already people are, there's this kind of massive underlying civil disobedience going on where nobody's really paying attention anyway. You know, as someone who's following this, what are you looking for in terms of either provinces that are key to this before we start to see this bigger foundational change or are there events you know rates of hospitalization sound like what are you paying attention to then to see whether we'll see these kind of changes oh it's all politics yeah it's all political uh so uh i think it's going to be yeah bc first and then alberta as you mentioned because alberta got burned during the summer they're maybe going to take a bit longer saskatchewan has openly said they're going to get rid of it probably manitoba and then Ontario and Quebec, as per usual, will go way too long. So their hospitalizations will be like rock bottom and they'll still go with restrictions just for another couple months. They're more statist places, easier to get an Ontarian scared. Uh, so yeah, I, I think as per usual, we're going to have a higher level of liberty here in Western Canada than they're used to in Central Canada. So I think the last COVID restriction, if I was going to guess where it is, in 2030, there's going to be some restaurant, I'm guessing, in the beaches area of Toronto that's still masking up. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll see seven years down the road, eight years down the road, if, if you're correct on that. Uh, Tristan, thanks for your time. Thank you. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tristan Hopper. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.